Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So we have a great, great interview today with uh, Tracy Conan. And Tracy is a forensic accountant who's been investigating fraud for more than 25 years. Um, This year, she has released uh, a product called the Divorce Money Guide, and it helps people who are in the process of divorce be their own forensic accountants. So if you're sort of like, you know, wondering if your spouse or soon-to-be ex might be hiding assets, but then you're also like, do I really want to drop you know, 10 to 40 grand on a forensic accountant? Like, is it even, is it even worth it? Tracy's divorce money guide helps you uh, walk yourself through the process that a forensic accountant might take for a fraction of the cost. And if you use the code DSG, divorce survival guide, um, use the code DSG, she's offering $100 off. So that's pretty awesome. Um, Before we get to my conversation with Tracy, who I absolutely adore, um, I wanted to tell you a few things about, I know I talk about it all the time, but about Grit and Grace. I asked the women who are in it to just, like, what do you think so far? Tell me what you think so far. And oh my God, their responses, you guys, (laughs) just like, oh, blew me away. One of, the th- one of the women said, joining Grit and Grace was, at this time in my life, one of the best decisions to help me through such a difficult time. The group calls are amazing, and the sense of community, sisterhood, validation, and support is invaluable. Kate has been outstanding in her wisdom support and calling it out exactly how it is. <laughs> Come on, would you expect anything less from me? Um, she not only helps you through the process of figuring out what your next step is, but also provides you with a plethora of work to do in healing and moving forward toward the life you deserve. And I'm just going to read you one more. Grit and Grace provides a safe place to share and be seen, ask questions, and hear from others going through similar journeys, gain confidence and strength of will in a sisterhood of support, and find solid ground with accountability and forward direction. There's no risk of overburdening well-meaning family and friends while seeking validation and help or risk feeling isolated and alone without anyone to talk to that understands. Yes, we can do hard things, but doing hard things with others who get it makes it so much easier to bear. These women, like literally, they bring um, tears to my eyes. Okay, I'm going to read you one more because this one I, I really love too. Grit and gr- this is from somebody who has was actually in my should should I stay or should I go program. Um, completed that uh, a couple of years ago when it first came out, and she's really been doing the work, um, but still struggling to make the um, the moves. 
And she says that grit and grace has changed everything for me. I feel as if the ground under my feet has shifted from the mucky swampland to sturdy bedrock. I feel so much more connected to the world. I feel seen in a way that I haven't for so long. I have a mission now, whereas only a few weeks ago, I was floundering about like a fish out of water. My life hasn't changed that dramatically yet, but having the support and connection to a posse of women who truly understands my challenges has lifted me up and empowered me to face reality and finally reclaim my life. While our stories and lives are so very different, we are able to connect in a truly deep and meaningful way. Through all this, I feel so blessed to have something to offer this group of incredible women in return. Uh, so all that to say, um, this cohort is pretty much full, but I am absolutely willing and able to open up a second cohort. Um, so please, if you're interested in joining Grit and Grace, please set up a consult with me. Uh, we can talk about it. You can go to kateanthony.com slash coaching and you can read about it and you can sign up for a consultation on that page. And we'll just find out if it's the right place for you, the right program for you. So with all that being said, let's turn our attention back to today's episode and my interview with Tracy Conan on becoming your own forensic accountant. Tracy, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about how to be your own forensic accountant. I love this. <laughs> and I love that you have me because this is something that I think so many people need to hear about as more people are, are hearing, you might need a forensic accountant in your divorce and that's all fine and well, but then people find out how much it costs and then they get scared and terrified. And I wanted to give people another way. So yeah. where they could get some help without having to spend tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> hear that? Hear that, y'all? So, all right. So, let's just start with like, how, why would someone need a forensic accountant? Like, what's the like what, money shenanigans? Money, money shenanigans. shenanigans. So, we're talking hiding money. We're talking offshore accounts. We're talking just weird shit that you don't know where your money is. Yeah, you know, offshore accounts are fun to talk about, but for the vast majority of people involved in divorce, that's not going to be a thing. But what we are talking about, which does affect quite a lot of people, is a spouse who has been hiding money, and that might just be kind of salting money away in an account that you don't know about, or siphoning off cash, you know, withdrawing money out of your bank account little by little and stashing that somewhere, or maybe even more likely someone whose spouse has been spending money inappropriately. We politely say things like spending money for non-marital purposes. That would be <laughs> things like affairs. Um, Hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. right. Jewelry for the girlfriend. Um, uh, but it could also be things like gambling or other addictions like drugs or a pornography addiction, hookers. Uh, I sometimes like to say sex, drugs, and rock and roll, not to minimize the seriousness of these things, but it's sort of a little catchphrase that it's kind of encompasses what's going on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's sort of, that's sort of what we define sometimes as financial infidelity, right? When someone is using marital funds for things that are outside the marital agreement or container, right? Yep. 
that falls under financial infidelity. What can also fall under it is being untruthful about your finances, right? Maybe your spouse has bought something that isn't like it's not related to cheating, but it's certainly outside of what your agreements were. You would have never agreed to spend $8,000 on whatever the stupid toy is or things like that. I consider that financial infidelity as well. So it, it, it's, it's you know, of a different type a little bit, but yeah, yeah. Um, those, those, those all fall under it. Going out and buying a Corvette without consulting with your right. partner about right. your midlife crisis car. <laughs> right. Or spending a lot of money on electronics when your family budget doesn't need to be spent that way. Um, things like that. Or um, financial infidelity can also include things like, you know, the spouse who gets you to sign off on a tax return without letting you see it or understand it, or gets you to sign some sort of financial document without you knowing the full extent of what's going on. You know, I see cases where, um, he asked me to sign these documents and kind of pushed me to do it. And I really didn't have a chance to look at them. And I think it might've been a loan that I was signing for, but I don't really know what for. That kind of stuff happens more often than you would believe. And so now is when I stand up and say to everyone out there who just heard me say that, and you felt that drop in your stomach and you're, you started blushing because now you feel embarrassed. Like, oh, that happened to me. I, I want you to stop feeling out. embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happens so much. And one of the things when I'm going on podcasts and, and getting on social media is I want to take away some of the shame about money because people feel ashamed when they don't know what's been going on with their money, or they feel ashamed that they signed a document and they didn't know what it was for because they felt pressured and don't feel ashamed. What's done is done. And it's happened to a lot of our brothers and sisters in divorce. It's happened to a lot of us. And so what we need to do is figure out where we are today, take some control back. Okay. Yeah. That's really good advice, right? And also, I, I just encourage people who are victims of various, like of all things, right? Like, you're not the perpetrator, right? If you were conned, however, however overtly or subtly, into signing papers that you didn't understand, it was probably because you were being manipulated to do so, and that's not on you. Right. So people you know, there is a lot of victim blaming in the money arena. Mm -hmm. So someone who got conned into a bad investment or a scam type of investment or someone, you know, who lent money to someone who really wasn't credit worthy and things like that. People want to blame that victim for doing something stupid related to their money. Listen, it's called a con game for a reason. You right. have been conned. You have been lied to. Particularly in many of these cases, it's by someone you trusted, right? You trusted your spouse for right. whatever reason, and you don't have to feel ashamed that you ended up being a victim. They should feel ashamed that they did it to you. That's right. That's right. And of course, the personality type that does these things doesn't feel ashamed. So, but you don't have to, you don't have to carry the shame for everybody. I get so wound up about this. You can tell I get a little bit of passionate about trying to, trying to tell people, please don't be ashamed. Let's just take some action. Now, you know, right. now, now you know that that shouldn't have happened. I can tell you how to fix it. Right. And listen, I think like, what if someone is like, well, I'm not sure. I mean, I signed these things. I signed something. I'm not, I actually don't know what it was, but I can't imagine that my husband was hiding something from me. What should they do? Hey, well, if you think your husband would hide something from you, here's a great test. Go ask him if you could see a copy of what you signed. And if he says no, you know, you got a problem. Right. And if he says yes, great. You've got it. 
take it to a trusted professional, like a, an attorney, an accountant, someone who knows about things like this and have them look it over with you and see, see what the deal is. If the spouse says no, what do they do? What's next? What's the next step? In a lot of cases, um, you don't want to create conflict, right? That, so, so I always say, let's try to get information before we create conflict. And so how could we do that in a way that is non-confrontational? In a situation like this, it, it is, I would say, push a little bit and say, well, gosh, well, what, what was it that I signed? See what information you can get. And why, why, wouldn't, I, why wouldn't you want me to see what that was? Um, but if, uh, if, if you get some really big resistance on it, you know, you've got a problem. And this is when I say, you've got to start gathering as much financial information as you can, whatever you have access to. So this is where you go into gathering mode where you're gathering as many bank statements as you can, credit card statements, tax returns, anything that you have legal access to investment accounts. So if your name is on an account, you have legal access to it. You go ahead and sign in online, download what you can. If you can't sign in online, go to the bank, bring your ID with you, tell them I'm on this account. I want the documents, right? And then you start putting all those documents in a safe place. And so, so what you're doing at this point is not directly addressing those papers that you signed and you don't know what they were, but they are protecting your interests on the financial front because they are gathering information for you that may help you down the road. Yeah, that's a great point. And so I had a lot of people say to me, well, my name is on the account, but I can't access it because he has two-factor authentication set up on the account and he's going to get notified if I try to log in or if I try to create my own user ID. What do we do then? Check to see if your bank allows another person to have a login. I mean, because this isn't unusual, right? Husband and wife should both be able to log into an account. So find out from your bank if you can have your own login that won't notify him. And if your name is on the account, you should be able to have your own login. Right, right. And I can't guarantee that every bank allows that because of, of course there are some, you know, small hometown bank doesn't have the same access capabilities and things like that. Um, but here is another way that I suggest getting access to documents. Again, assuming that you want to be non-confrontational, we're all trying to play nice. Um, I like to use, um, you know, a technique of saying to your spouse, I'm really concerned. What if something happened to you? What if you were in a car accident, and you ended up in a coma? What if you were, you know, you suddenly died? I don't know how much money we have, where it's at. And so I'd really like to start learning more about our financial situation. So I'd like to be able to log into our accounts, see how much we have, because if you're laying in a hospital bed, potentially, you know, life or death situation, the last thing I want to be doing is trying to figure out if we have enough money in our account to pay the mortgage this month. I'd like to know ahead of time that I I know what money we have and where we have it. And so that I know that everything will be okay. And I can focus on you. Mm -hmm. And of course, so I say all that. And there are people in the audience saying, my spouse is a complete jerk. And that will never fly. He'll say, don't worry. Everything's on automatic. There's enough money. It's perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. So here's where we get to my favorite phrase, red flags, right? Those warning signs that something is wrong. And I talk about this in the divorce money guide when he says, I got it handled. You don't need to worry about it. Nope. Don't, you don't need to worry about it. Where are your um, little head about it, sweetheart? Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, if we step back, ask yourself logically, 
we should both know how to get into the bank account. I don't care if everything is on automatic. You know, I, I haven't I have a list of instructions for my spouse for the accounts that are in my name only. Here's how you get in them, here's where they're at, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. so yeah, the the don't worry a pretty little head about it is isn't okay with me and is a red flag that something improper is probably going on. The very least misogyny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, okay. So what are some other, what are some other red flags besides some like the overt, like, don't worry your pretty little head about it. You don't need to worry. I've got it covered. You know, here's your allowance. Um, What are some other red flags that there might be something fishy going on? So the biggest, most common one is a change in behavior. And that might be change in how they control the money or what you have access to in terms of information. So uh, previously you saw that the bank statements came to the house in the mail. Now they don't anymore. Or previously you could log into that online account. Now you can't. And you've said, Hey, did the password change? Oh, don't worry about it. So those kind of changes in behavior, or it could be changes like being more secretive of whereabouts, being more secretive about spending, um, things like that, you know, hiding their phone. Um, and, and when you think about those kinds of things, the hiding of the phone and secretive about whereabouts, your mind probably first goes to having an affair. Mm-hmm. And then when you're having an affair, there's issues with the money because they've got to spend money on the affair that you don't know about. Um, so changes yeah. in behavior, absolute biggest red flag. Mm-hmm. Any others? Oh, there's so many. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> Here's a change in behavior, using more cash than they used to. Oh, interesting. Just trying to function with cash. Yeah. So, so maybe, you know, I don't know about you. I used to go to the ATM regularly, right? A long time ago, I used to go to the ATM all the time. Now I go once every three months and I get some cash and never use it. Uh, But if your spouse starts going to the ATM all of a sudden, uh, you know, as in taking out a few hundred dollars at a time, going a couple times a week, things like this, there's something going on. Either they're taking that cash and kind of stashing it away somewhere, or they're using it to spend it on things that they don't want you to know about. Right. Right. Like drugs or hotel rooms or yep. yeah, various things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard. You know, I think sometimes, you know, women in particular, I think, you know, when you've been in a relationship where there's gaslighting, right, which is sadly common, when you approach your spouse and you're like, so I'm noticing this change in behavior, right, then they, they'll, they're they going to deny it because that's what they're going to do, right, because <laughs> that's normal. Then you start gaslighting yourself, right? They're gaslighting you. And then you're gaslighting. Then you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I am crazy. I don't know. Maybe this is normal. Maybe I, right? How, how, like, how do I know to, how do, how do you tell people to like trust your gut or not? Like, right? So, <laughs> so that was one of the biggest things I was thinking about when I started making the divorce money guide. I was like, okay, I'm thinking about this spouse who says, you're crazy. You're making stuff up. You're paranoid. You've always been suspicious. That's not happening. And how does someone objectively figure out, is this really a red flag or not? Is this really something I should worry about? So I created an assessment. So we have, yes, it's the red flag assessment. Oh my God. So, so it's 15 questions. It'll take you like, three minutes to answer them. And it has questions about like, 
how, how are the financial arrangements in your marriage? Like who takes care of the money, who makes more money, but then it gets to questions about red flags. You know, like there's a list of like six things. Have you ever noticed any of these things in your marriage? And some of it is related to like affairs and stuff like that. Some of it is a little less uh, spicy sounding. It might be related to like, Hey, did you have a hard time getting your hands on documents? Or did you ever find out about a bank account that you never knew about before? Right. So you answer these 15 questions and you get done. And then I tell you, like, what is the likelihood that there is fraud in your marriage? So that I wanted there to be that objective from a professional who works with this all the time. They could tell you if what you're seeing is is really red flags or not. And is that part of the divorce money guide or is that some is that separate? Here's what I did. So there is it's completely free. Separate from the Divorce Money Guide is a 15-question quiz that you can take for free and just get your little assessment. And then within the Divorce Money Guide, there's a longer one. It's about 25 questions, and it kind of gets a little more in-depth to kind of give a little more insight on the situation. Yeah. And now, a word from our sponsor. So let's talk about the holidays and divorce. It is a super stressful time for families, especially when alcohol is involved. And our friends over at Soberlink want to help. Soberlink has teamed up with divorce and family law experts to provide information that you didn't know that could provide peace of mind during the holidays. So for those who still haven't heard about Soberlink, it is the solution for you if you're going through a divorce and custody case involving alcohol. Whether you are falsely accused of alcohol use or are concerned about your child's safety because of the other parent's alcohol use, Soberlink can help. Soberlink works hard to keep children safe, offering a remote alcohol monitoring system that is the gold standard because of its incredible technology. Don't miss out on Soberlink's free guide for the upcoming holiday season. You can request it right now at www.soberlink.com slash DSG. That's me, the Divorce Survival Guide. So soberlink.com slash DSG. And now back to our show. I want to talk about the Divorce Money Guide. I want to get to that in one second. But I also want to ask a question about people who are not necessarily concerned that there's anything sort of nefarious going on. They don't think that there's fraud or whatever, but like, I don't know. They're just like not, they just have never taken, never had any agency. They've never been involved in their finances. This is a lot of women uh, that are listeners and um, in my Facebook group and stuff, right? They've just never been involved in the finances. And now they're oh God, I don't even know what we have. Right. So- So I'm a forensic accountant, right? I've been doing fraud investigations for 25 years. And so when I decided I wanted to make the divorce money guide and have a resource available for people in the process of divorce, I was thinking about fraud, 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 fraud. And as I was putting it all together, I was like, oh, wait a second. I don't want to be the Oprah of fraud. Um, You have fraud and you have fraud and you have fraud. (laughs) Fraud, Yeah. I was like, wait a second. I want to be a resource as well for people who haven't had control over the money, who don't know how the money has been spent. And that's when it, like the light bulb went on that actually the, the divorce money guy can help so many people who just say, I want to know what's been going on with the money, but I don't even know where to start. So I take them through these steps of what are the financial documents you need? How do you get them? 
How do you organize them? And then what do you look at in them once you have them? Right. And so to help you get an understanding of what's been happening with your money. Right. And I love that because so, you know, what we say is like, gather all your documents. Right. And the people are like, huh? (laughs) Well, so I was, you know, someone, another professional was asking me, you know, about these 10 steps. Okay. It's 10 steps in the divorce money guide. And I said, well, and there's a step um, devoted to um, getting your bank statements and your credit card statements. And they're like, well, what do you need to tell people in that step? Go get them. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you have never been involved before, and I say, go get your bank statements, you're going to say, uh, where, where, how, and, and so it's super valid to say, Hey, let me show you, here's how you get your bank statements. Here's how you can get them. If you uh, um, have online access, here's how you can get them. If you don't have online access and here's what you ask for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, super important. Can you access accounts legally? that your name is not on if you're married. So if you're married, you can't go on your own and get access to those accounts, not legally. Okay. However, however, once you are in the divorce process, your attorney can get them for you with a subpoena. So a subpoena is basically just like a, a court document that says to the bank, hello, there's a lawsuit. It's called a divorce. And uh, we are entitled to have the husband's bank account statements. And then they have to give them to you and it's all good. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So let's, okay. So let's, let's talk about the the divorce money guy. Cause we've sort of been talking about it a little bit, but I want to get into it a little bit more. So tell us what is the divorce money guide? What is this that you've created? I call it an online handbook. So it is basically videos, some written materials. So if, whether you like to read, whether you like to watch, whether you like to do both, I walk you through, I guide you through this process of getting your hands around the finances. And I've got worksheets and checklists and stuff to help make it easy, a little bit interactive. Um, I put together 10 steps, but you don't have to do all of them and you don't even have to do them in order. And it, it really, it, it starts out with, hey, you might be getting divorced. Here are some critical things to do at the very beginning because I want you to protect yourself and protect your information. And then going into, you know, what are the things that are going to happen in this financial part of your divorce if you go down that path, just so that you understand what, you know, when we talk about subpoenas and depositions, what is that stuff? So it doesn't have to feel scary. And then we talk about the red flags of fraud, where I go through a laundry list. I mean, we only talked about a couple of them today, but a laundry list is some of the things that you might have seen, again, to give people comfort with, um, you know, what they're seeing and whether or not you know, someone else thinks that's a warning sign. And then we get into getting your account statements, getting your tax returns and what to look for in them. And I give super, super easy techniques of things to look for in your financial documents that will help you figure out where your money has been going and if there's anything to be worried about. So you get to like pretend to be a forensic accountant without doing anything super fancy. It's like anyone can do it. That's so great. I love it. You said something about like protecting your info, learning how to protect your information and yourself. Can you say a little bit more about what you mean by that? Sure. I I have some easy tips in, in the product, like get a brand new email address. If you are thinking about getting divorced or the process has started, I advise everyone to get a brand new email address. Why is that? Because you want to know 100% for sure 
that you can have conversations with your attorney, with trusted advisors and friends that your spouse can never get into. I can't tell you how many people I know who have had the misfortune in their divorce of a spouse finding an old iPad, finding an old laptop that happened to be logged into your email account and they have seen it all. I can't tell you how many times somebody has had, has gotten their kid an iPad. I I, just was reading it. One of the support groups on Facebook the other day, my husband bought our son an iPad. And just the other day I was looking at the iPad and realized that it was also connected to my husband's phone and all of his iMessages were coming to the iPad. And I saw all the dirty pictures he was sending his affair partner, et cetera, et cetera. So all that to be said, be careful with the text messaging. Be careful with the emails. Right. Get that fresh email address that's never been logged in anywhere with the password Not that your spouse can't guess. To the cloud. Yes. I mean, the cloud reveals all. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Just, you know, good and bad, right? Like these are things that we need to know, but also like, oh, they're heart wrenching. Um, but also you can be you can, you know, can be used as a spying device. Yes. Yeah. So when we talk about protecting your information as well, we talk about something that we've, I've already talked about earlier, which was getting all your account statements and gathering as much financial documentation as soon as you can before there's any chance for you to get locked out of that account. You know, I've seen people get into the divorce process and all of a sudden that joint bank account no longer has their name on it. Now, should your spouse be able to remove your name without your permission? No, but it happens. And so let's just, uh, it just happens sometimes. And so I talk about things like that, things like getting your own credit report yes. so that you can see yes. what what credit cards and loans might have your name on them. See if you knew about it all. Yes. I've heard so many people who've had credit cards taken out in their name that their spouses yeah. are using and and destroying their credit. Um, I also, I don't know if you recommend this, but to have a, have a freeze, have a, have a lock on your credit so that nobody can access your credit without you first removing the freeze, right? Fantastic. Fantastic idea. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know about that, it's, I mean, it's free. You just, all you, there's even, I think there's on all three credit reporting agencies, there's a thing on the front, on the homepage that says, you know, freeze your, freeze or unfreeze your account. Um, I had to do it cause I had fraud, I identity theft. And, uh, and so I did it and it's, you know, it's very easy. It just sucks that when you're, when you're going to try and get credit, you forget and that you get declined and you're like, how can I get declined? And you're like, oh, right. Cause I froze my credit. <laughs> I know, but still better safe than sorry. Especially if you have a spouse who might try to try to pull a fast one and get some credit in your name. Yeah. So, um, did we cover all the steps? What are some more of the steps of, uh, so if you, uh, you know, if you get all the way, you know, you've worked your way through the main steps where you've looked at the bank statements, you've looked at the tax returns, whatever is important to you. Um, I do talk, uh, in one of the steps about kind of other issues of compensation. So if your spouse is an executive who might have things like stop box, stock options or other perks. I talk about that. If your spouse has a business that they own, there's some special issues there. And I can't possibly cover everything that'll come up, but I cover some of the most common things. And then we talk about, okay, so you've done all this. If you think you've found fraud, what do you do about it? What do you tell your attorney? And then how do you put all your documents together for your attorney? So one of the things, one of the, I guess, the byproduct of the divorce money guide is 
you can save yourself some attorney's fees, hopefully. So a lot of people pay their attorneys by the hour and the attorney, you know, tries to gather the bank statements for you and put them in order and look at them and try to find things in them. And I say, let's, let's forget about that. You take control of your own documents. You put them all together and you hand this nice package to your attorney and say, here it is all ready to go. Don't need you to spend all those hours doing that. So, right. And so the divorce money guide is a lot less expensive (laughs) probably than your attorneys out that then it'll cost your attorney to do it. It's probably less than a couple hours of your attorney's time. Right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I think it's so great. I think it's so great. And so this is how you can become your own, your own forensic accountant. And so how do you know when you like actually need to hire a professional? So I think that, you know, when you go through all this and, and you get to the end, you know, you ideally will have a list of transactions and a list of questions and concerns. And I think your best step is to sit down with your attorney and go over that. And your attorney will have a really good feel for, do we need extra help or not? Because they've been down this road before, right? They've they've hired forensic accountants before, and they'll be able to tell you, you know, it uh, looks like there's $5,000 at stake here. Glad you found it, but probably going to cost you more to hire a forensic accountant than it's worth, right? Right. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or depending on your scenario, you might have find, found $5,000, but the characteristics or what that spending or situation is, your attorney might look at that and say, you know what, there's actually probably a lot more that we didn't find. And this is just the tip of the iceberg because here's what I've seen before. Now we do need to hire someone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think it's, it, this is so invaluable. You guys, everyone needs to get this seriously. <laughs> Because I think it is so, it is so important for us, first of all, to have agency and clarity and understanding. I think that what, what this does is it provides people, um, I'll speak to women mostly because that's, you know, who I work with mostly, but, and I also think that it's mostly women who are financially disenfranchised in marriages, right? And, and there's that, there's a fantasy that we grow up with that's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to be, you know, my knight in shining armor and, you know, I'm going to stay home and take care of the kids and he's going to pay all the bills and it's going to, you know, and it's what we're sold from childhood, from birth practically. So this gives us, this allows people to take back some power and some agency, right? And I'm not going to lie. Uh, the product is gender neutral, but I'm more so speaking to women because I know based on my experience as a forensic accountant, that that's where the need is it, you know, because by and large women are less involved in the finances than men. It's just how the statistics go, but also statistically speaking, everyone's standard of living goes down after divorce because you now have two households, but you have the same pot of money to pay for Mm -hmm. them with, but women's standard of living goes down much more than men's. And so I said, you know what, if I can help level that playing field and help people, if you understand your money, you're going to get a better settlement in your divorce. You're going to know where you can push. You're going to know exactly what's happened to the money. You're going to know, Hey, I found $10,000 that you wasted on something. And I want credit back for that in, in the settlement. You can find some cards that you can play in that negotiation. That's right. That's right. Who was it? There was some someone recently that was exactly the same thing where there was like there was ten thousand dollars that I was like, I think that you put that in your back pocket, right? There is mm-hmm. 
money that was spent on something that you didn't agree to, you put that in your back pocket so that if things get rough in the negotiation, you pull that out and say, all right, what about this? Right. Or how about this? I can't tell you how many cases I've been involved in where one spouse didn't realize that there's that the other person had cashed out part of their retirement account. So they got to divorce time and it was like, oh, there's $500,000 in the retirement account to divide okie dokie. We started digging and found out, oh, hey, you know what? Last year there was $600,000 in that account. And it wasn't, the difference isn't that the stock market went down. It's that someone pulled some money out. And so we want to be able to get credit back for that. Half of that was your money. And we want to get credit for that. And so when, you know, when the judge is, if, if it gets to the point where a judge is dividing stuff up, the judge can look at that and say, Hey, you wasted a hundred thousand dollars last year from that account. Half of that was your spouse's and we're going to even this up. That's right. But if you don't know about it, you can't ask for it. Right. That's right. And what do you say to women in particular who were like, I don't want anything. I just want to go. I just want (gasps) to get out. Okay. I have a really hard time with that concept. Now, I have worked with women in divorces. In fact, there's uh, one woman who did the divorce money guide. She was part of like my initial beta group and said, oh my God, this is amazing. And, and she wanted to walk away from some financial stuff. And so what we did was we talked through, you know, this is rightfully yours. And there will become a point where you will stop fighting, but but you have to fight. There, there, yeah, a little bit of a fight might be right. worth it because you are entitled to something. And this is your long-term future that we're talking about. And so what happened was, you know, she pushed for some things and then it got down to kind of, they were getting in the final stretches of being done with this divorce. At that end, she gave up on some things that just didn't matter anymore. The stupid dining room table didn't matter anymore. He wanted the dining room table out of spite. And she finally just said, you know what? My freedom's worth it. Have it. Right. Sure. My freedom, your freedom is worth a dining room table. It's not worth a retirement account. It's not worth all the equity in the house. You know what? If the house has to be sold, so be it. You know what? Oh, he wants to stay in the house and I'm going to let him have it. Hell no. Right. Sell that dang house and get your half. You know, or pull the equity and get your half. Whatever, whatever has to happen. Right. And I think that there's, you know, there is this. like this, the thing about like, oh, oh, just like, whatever, just stop. I just, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. But the problem is that women have, we are so conditioned to give over our, ourselves, our lives, our careers for staying home. Mostly the spouse, the working spouse would not be able to achieve the level of success that they have if it weren't for the support of somebody at home, right? Usually that dynamic is the man's at work and the woman's home, right? Statistically speaking. So this person would not have this much money or this level of success without your fucking emotional labor and physical labor in the home. So holding it down at home, right? You're actually, you're, it's not just that you're entitled to it, but you fucking invested in it. You absolutely did. And, you know, I get the pushback saying that's, you know, he let, we'll, we'll put the man in that position of him saying that's my money, that's my, my retirement account. And I say, oh, no, 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 you got married. That is our retirement account. If you didn't want to have our, you should not have gotten married. You should not have asked your wife to stay home and raise the children. 
it has is every bit ours. That's right. You know, that's right. And in fact, in fact, your wife may actually be entitled to more than half of your retirement account. And you know why? Because you have greater earning capacity because you've stayed in the workforce and she didn't. And there is a judge out there who may say, you know what? I actually think she should get 70% of that retirement account because there's no way between now and retirement she can save the way you can. <gasps> yes, that happens, people. Yeah, there is unequal distribution of it to make up for factors like that. Is it always easy to get? No, it's not easy to get, but you can sure make the argument and go for it. That's right. That's right. And this is why doing things like uh, the Divorce Money Guide are so important because you are educating yourself. Because listen, I can't tell you the number of you know family court judges that they're not educated in all of this. They're not forensic accountants. They're not even they're not even CPAs, right? So if you go in and you present, you have got yourself completely educated, and you go in and you present your arguments. You present the facts. You Here's what my facts. money was spent on. You you present a compelling argument that your honor, I was I was a stay-at-home mom for 20 years. I am now this far behind in the workforce while my husband is this far ahead. And so therefore, right? This is the, you know, the mathematical equation and this is what I what I think is fair. The judge could say no, but they might go, "Oh, that's actually a really compelling argument." <laughs> but you have to be educated enough to be able to make it. Right. And so, you know, you and your attorney will make that ar argument. I don't want anyone to get scared and think like, "Oh my god, am I going to have to stand in front of a judge and talk about these numbers?" No, you're you're that's what your attorney is to help with as well. But the idea is that you need the information as the starting point, right? I want to put you in that driver's seat. I want you to take back control. And, and that starts with getting the information. That's right. That's right. It's all about taking back your power. That's what I'm here for. Yes. <laughs> yes. My sister. Thank you so, so much. Okay. So tell everyone, uh, everything will be in the show notes, but tell everyone where they can find you and where they can uh, get the divorce money guide. So you can find me at fraudcoach.com. There you're going to find the Divorce Money Guide and my other products that are coming out soon. Uh, if you want to go directly to the Divorce Money Guide, just go to divorcemoneyguide.com and that'll bring you to the right spot. Um, and you can find my Instagram, also Divorce Money Guide. Yes. Yes. DM me, email me, uh, You know, love to help out to the extent that I can and just, just try to help as many people as I can. You know, as a forensic accountant, you know, I help what 20 people a year working on their cases. I just have such a bigger vision for helping so many more people like take that control back and get yeah. that information that they need. I love it. I share your vision. I so appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was a treat. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.